Grant likes pushing buttons. I could. They light up too. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of pretty colors. All the all the pretty colors. I was going to do something clever and say like it's episode 12. Uh, what'd you do with the musket? Well, that was a, that was a special episode. So well, number 12. Is it, is it episode yeah. 12? So it is episode 12 of Brown Trout and Bridge Beers. Uh, another special episode though. We're hanging out in Peaberg, Montana. Um, yeah. As you heard, we've got Ed's Forest across the table from me. And we also have uh, our host and special guest, John P. Claudio, with us today. Hello. Hello. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, so, yeah, we've been out here fishing uh, last couple days. Uh, John's been kind enough to take us out and show us the ropes around the area. Yeah, he has. Um, and, uh, yeah, even though we got snowed on today specifically, I think the past couple of days of fishing, even today, has actually been uh, quite phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, John is a internationally known <laughs> artist or internationally known fly fishing guide, um, or international man of mystery. This is one of those four, all three, <laughs> all three. Yeah, I guess uh, technically there's people that own my work in Europe and South America and Australia and, and here. Good good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, so. And you're, we'll just, we'll dive right in. Um, we're going to get to know the, the artist first because I think that's um, pretty neat. And your art is mostly flies? <laughs> yep. Which is frustrating to some people who are like, you know, they'll send me a picture of like this fish that they caught and they're like, you know, make, you know, can you draw this? Nope. And I have done a few, but what I'm more passionate about is um, making drawings and paintings of flies specifically. Right. And you have a certain style. Mm -hmm. It's, It's kind of Asian Japanese-ish. I'll let you explain it. Yeah. So, it, well, I mean, I, I went to school for art and I, I did mostly sculpture and installation art and more weird contemporary stuff uh, when I was younger. And then when I was in living in Minneapolis um, and I was a drug and alcohol counselor, um, I was, I was introduced to meditation as kind of a form of therapy, um, mindfulness based mm-hmm. therapies and practices. And while I was learning that stuff, I was thinking about how, um, you know, when you're tying flies or when I'm tying flies, I'm like super focused in on a very small point and, uh, you tie the same fly over and over again, you start to really kind of know it inside and out. And so, you know, I, I was thinking about how, like, I even knew what the inside of the fly looked like because, you know, I'm making it. Um, so I was like, I wonder if like by some weird spiritual muscle memory, like, have I like 
do I really know this fly so well I can use like a really unforgiving medium to reproduce it uh, visually? And so I got into using ink because obviously you can't erase ink. And once you put it down, right. that's pretty it. Permanent. It's pretty permanent. So um, I used ink and brush um, to make these fly paintings. I don't know if you'd call them paintings or drawings, but, um, and it's kind of very gestural and similar to when you see, um, Asian Sumi painting mm -hmm. and Sumi is, uh, ink and brush in that very, I guess it would be almost abstract, um, how it comes out, but you still get a pretty good idea of what it is. And, um, it wasn't on purpose that I made it in that style, but it just kind of happened to look that way. And then it kind of made a ton of, it, not a ton of sense, but it, 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 that style lent itself to kind of like the delicate spiritual side of fly fishing and flies and stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought, so the style went or goes really well with that, um, you know, with, with flies as the model. Yeah, I think they're they're great. I have several of them. You do several of your drawing paintings, and you several of your flies are paintings. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I I really like your artwork, and I I think a lot of other people do. Thank you. Also, so you <clears throat> you said you went to school for for arts. Where where did you mm -hmm. start at? Start out at? Well, I started like I don't know, like math and science and stuff was really pushed in my family. And I think it was kind of a reaction to that. I think it was, I was in eighth grade when I took my first real art class and I really liked it and, uh, did art all through high school. And it's kind of funny. I went back to my father's house in Connecticut, um, not too long ago. And there was this drawing I did that I totally forgot about, uh, of like all these flies, like just drawn, like, I don't know, like 30 flies, like in rows and columns. Like they were in a fly box. Basically. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I don't, I didn't even remember doing that. But I guess even back then I was doing fly drawings and stuff. Awesome. Sometime in, it was probably junior year or something. But I went to uh, Connecticut College in New London where uh, I majored in fine art and uh, with a double major in religious studies. Yeah. Oh, it's a good mix. Good mix. Yeah, they go together. And then, uh, so you've been around fly fishing most all your life? I, I definitely, yeah, at least three quarters of it. Um, Did your dad fly fish? Not at all. Um, he used to take me when I was a kid. We, I was, I grew up and was born in, uh, in the Bronx in New York City. And um, about once or twice a year, he would take me to visit his friend on the Jersey Shore and we would go fishing for shark and bluefish and stuff like that. And it, it just, I was obsessed with it, even though I was just really fishing twice a year. Mm -hmm. And all I would do is think about fishing or, you know, when is the next time I was going to go fishing or I'd get books out of the library about fishing. And then when we moved to Connecticut, I was about 13, I think. And um, I would, I'd, I'd go fishing all the time. And I don't know where fly fishing came in, but I guess I had heard of it and I bought like a really cheap, like combo of, you know, rod reel and line 
like most people do. Probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I remember I got a book out. It might've been like, like, you know, uh, the Tom Rosenbauer Orvis book yeah. or something yep. that everybody. <laughs> yep. I think that was my, my first introduction to it. And, you know, I'm reading it and stuff, but it's not the same as like watching a YouTube video. And obviously pre YouTube, this days. is pre YouTube. Yeah. And it, you know, I'd go out with the fly rod and a, you know, like a spinning rod and reel and I'd fish the fly rod for a little bit and not catch anything, go and use like my power bait Berkeley worms and stuff and mm-hmm. catch like a couple of bass and then feel satisfied that I caught something and then go back to the fly rod and not catch anything. And that went on for quite a long time until I, f- I feel like the first bass I caught on a fly rod was with like a Mickey Finn. Mm-hmm. Just like a little red and yellow yep. Mickey Finn. And um yeah, that was like a big deal. And then it it literally it took me a year before I caught my first trout fly fishing, like teaching myself how to cast and all this other stuff and not not knowing what I was doing at all, not having anybody to teach me. None of my friends fished or fly fished. I would drag yeah. them along. Well, I know you, you've told me this story before, but, uh, you mentioned you were from the Bronx mm-hmm. and you, I think at one time you told me you went fishing in Central Park. Yeah. Fly fishing. Yeah. That was later on when I moved back after college to Brooklyn. And, um, I don't know if this was before at, or while I was working at the Orvis fly fishing shop in Manhattan, but yeah, I'd go and fish. I don't know. There was something appealing about urban fly fishing to me or urban fishing in general. And that was kind of your Instagram name for a while. Yeah. Twin cities, urban fly. Yeah. That was my shtick was like, okay. So I started in New York and I was, I was fishing like the Harlem mirror and other, other bodies of water in central park, but I'd also be fishing the East river and the Hudson river. And, um, I don't know, other parks around the city. But mostly the Harlem Mirror was where I'd fish. And I definitely, there's like some huge bass in the Harlem Mirror. And I have mm-hmm. this picture of me, like this at least five pound bass. And in the background is like Harlem. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> just, I don't know. The juxtaposition of the two things was very appealing to me. And uh, eventually, yeah, when I went out to Minneapolis, um, I mean, that's like really good urban fly fishing. Yeah. And so that kind of took off from there with the carp and the smallmouth. That was the first time that we ever met or fished together was urban fishing in downtown Minneapolis. It was in the uh, Mississippi. Yeah. yeah. I heard you two had an episode down by the Stone Arch Bridge down there. Yeah. Um, caught some smallmouth and a beaver. <laughs> was that the same time? That, so that, yeah, that was it. That I tell people about that beaver. <laughs> that we, we fished together is when I hooked into that beaver. And uh, <laughs> that was that was interesting. There's, there's a beaver in Minneapolis with uh, one of my flies stuck in him somewhere. I don't know. He's probably nice, nice big, now, articulated. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, a little yeah. piece of flair. A little, little flair for the beaver. Yeah. Beaver yeah, John, John and I met through Instagram just chatting back and forth. And John said, Hey, you want to go fishing sometime? I'll take you in Minneapolis. And I'm like, 
Yeah. I have no idea who you are, but yeah, let's go. I feel like that was like right when you were starting to do more warm water flies. Yeah. And I was, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we fished and have kind of become friends ever since. And now he's gone from urban, Twin Cities urban fly to out in the middle of country. Do they call it country out here? Off Montana one. Yeah. In yeah. Peaberg. Out, out in Phillipsburg, Montana. About as far from urban as you can be. It is. It's funny when I'm guiding people, they're like, oh, where are you from? Have, you know, were you born out here? And I'm like. I grew up in the Bronx and they like, it's going to blow their minds. It kind of does. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I'm like, yeah, I'm the only Bronx born Montana fly fishing guide out here. <laughs> Sounds legit. I, yeah. I, I say it until somebody tells me otherwise. Yeah. It's fine. I don't think anybody will. Nah. <laughs> You're a legend. <laughs> I don't know. A Western Montana legend. It is, it is, it is kind of mind blowing. Like if I sit back and think about like being a little kid and then, uh, growing up and like living in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and taking people fishing is my job. Like it is a little mind blowing. Yeah. Growing up on the mean streets of co-op city. <laughs> and we were, we were talking earlier how you were, you know, you, you figured out this way to intertwine, you know, making a living and being, you know, right with your passion too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's something that you're still working on perfecting, but you know, from what I've seen over the past couple of days, you've really been able to get that as a lifestyle and keep that going. And is, you know, Western Montana a good place to try and do that at? Or have you just found, you feel like you found a good niche to, I think I kind have fall into. Yeah. I think I fell into a good niche. Um, my ex-wife, um, now my, my second ex-wife, because now I have two ex-wives, the most recent ex-wife was the one that uh, got me to quit my career that I went to graduate school for, you know, which was not in my makeup to to do. But she was kind of like a free spirit type who uh, was like, yeah, let's just, you know, we'll bum around and whatever. You can take people fishing to make art. And I kind of laughed at her. Um, and it took her about a year to kind of like trick me into actually <laughs> quitting and, um, the, the straw that broke the camel's back that made me feel okay about going forward and, and pursuing something like this was, it was at, uh, one of the great waters, um, fly fishing expos and, uh, Bob White was there and his wife, Lisa was there too. And they're kind of like the model husband and wife situation that mm. like I guess in retrospect now I've I've emulated where he's kind of like my my mentor in a way and uh he was like John just do it just do it like and he ironically or not so ironically or he was a therapist too oh really before he was a fisherman and interesting so that kind of gave me I was like well he was able to leave it and you know go pursue this and be successful so right um he also, he, he bought my first original or he was one of the first people to buy one of my original paintings, which like, you know, it, it felt more like it was more than just words that he was like, wasn't like blowing smoke on my ass. Like, oh yeah, go do this. But he was like, he actually liked what I was making. And I figured if he likes what I'm making, I must be, you know, 
doing something right to the point where, yeah, maybe I can pursue this a little bit more professionally. So, um, uh, the ex-wife and I moved to Mexico for a winter and I just made art and I took people fishing down there and it was really, it was a great life. And then in the summer, uh, Mexico shuts down because it's too hot and nobody visits. So she was looking in a magazine and found the ranch at Rock Creek. By the way, she's a, like a massage yoga person. So she kind of leads the way to places, uh, that are, you know, kind of luxury, cool, uh, places that need massage therapists. And then I just kind of tagged along. And so that's what we did when she found the ranch at Rock Creek in a magazine and was like, I'm going to work here. And then she's like, and they have a blue ribbon trout stream and oh bummer. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you can guide there. And so that's how it started. And she moved on, um, after a couple of years and, uh, I was like, okay, if we're going to move on to this other place, she went to a place in Utah, uh, to run a spa there. And I was like, I'm still coming back to rock Creek in the summers. Cause I'm obsessed with fishing here and guiding people here. Absolutely. And so that's what we did last summer. And then I moved to Utah with her this past winter. Wasn't cool. Now I'm back here permanently. And that's saying a lot being a kid from the Bronx to say that, you know, Western Montana, rural Western Montana yeah. mm-hmm. is where you want to be. I mean, we're in a town, town without a, what I call, we were discussing this earlier, without a proper yeah. stoplight. There, yeah. It's no, a traffic light. Yeah. <clears throat> there's Dave. a red light that blinks to right. tell you that, that, hey, there's a stoplight, stop sign. Single. Here. But it, there's but, 900 people here. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that's it's a proper small town, and it's it's a very beautiful small town. Oh, absolutely! It's strange. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's strange how life just kind of takes you places if you let it. But I've never been attached to a place where I was like, "Oh no, this is this is where I'm going to stay," is home. or "This is home." This feels more like home, Phillipsburg, than any place I've ever been, and that's Phillipsburg, uh, Trancones, Mexico. Minneapolis, Brooklyn, Connecticut, Richfield, Connecticut, um, the Bronx, like of all those places. Yeah. This is, this is it. This is it. Yeah. That's awesome. I think there's something about the, the people or the community that's here. I mean, we've noted, man, I've noticed it over the past couple of days, you know, everybody's waving, everybody's holding doors out, like saying hello. It's just very welcoming. Yeah. Just a really good community. And, uh, yeah, you're super lucky to hang out here for a while. Totally. That's for sure. Um, yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's cause I'm like extroverted or what, but I like knowing the vast majority of people I see. Daily. Oh, absolutely. Like hundred percent people, like half yeah. of the people at the brewery. It's like, okay. we're, we're at the, the Phillips brew brewery tonight and John's talking to everybody that walks in right. the door. He exactly. Yeah. And there's, I don't know, there's like this 1950s, uh, I don't know, like not sitcom vibe to it. That's like, yeah. Well, there's the town, this, there's the town that, and you know, everybody it's like, it is cheers. Yeah. Are you Norm? I'm basically Norm from cheers (laughs) at the Phillipsburg brewery, (laughs) even though I don't drink. 
Well, they've got some good kombucha there. Yes. Apparently. Yeah. And ironically, the kombucha is the most expensive thing <laughs> in the brewery where I, th- oh, yeah. Cause I think you're the only one who drinks it. I'm the it. only one drinking it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody else is there for the otter water or yeah. apparently the pumpkin pale ale or yeah. whatever that garbage was over there. seasonal thing. Yeah. Right. So you said you spent a winter in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard several of the fishing stories from Mexico. What was the guy's name who was kind of your fishing mentor there? There was a, there's this this big Mexican man named Samba. Samba. Yeah. And what what was his favorite lure to use for the fish out there? Oh man, what was it? He had was it with a pen? That I thought it was cut? a car antenna. You. Told That's me. what it was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember it was like hollow. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. What were you guys catching with a car antenna? Well, if you cut a car antenna <laughs> kind of near the base, you have just like this uh, cylindrical um, tube. Tube. Yeah. yeah. It's basically a tube fly. <laughs> so, saltwater fish are you've, like the dumbest. They eat anything shiny. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's a, it's a shiny. And when you see... When you start looking at the bait fish down there, I remember I kind of perfected after a few months, like this, like s- small, small bait fish pattern. And it's just, it, it's just, it, you know, there's no, there's no movement to it. It's just mm-hmm. a straight piece of, uh, something shiny. Yeah. You know, even my flies were starting to look like that small. I was using freshwater hooks, you know, um, for these like little tiny bait fish streamers. And like the smaller, the better, it seemed like for a lot of the fish, but yeah. So you cut off a piece of antenna, you <laughs> put it up, you know, your, your mono and then put a treble hook on the end and it's, yeah, it's like this treble hooked, uh, <laughs> tube fly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. He would go to like junkyards and like, just like rip antennas it. off there, cars. There weren't any antennas on any cars within <laughs> like listened. a 50 mile radius. No, are, are you guys walking down the shore, just ripping just antennas that. off as you go? That's funny that you remember that. I forgot that. I do. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. And it's crazy there too, because they have what they call pangas, which are, uh, just glorified rowboats that are like really long rowboats that have a, an outboard motor and you're going into blue water, like wow, with them. And it was, you have to get used to it. Cause it's, it's, it doesn't feel right <laughs> at all. It <laughs> probably bailing water. As yeah, no. And he has like, yeah, he has like jugs where he cuts out the bottom and then that becomes his little bailing tool. <laughs> and you're out there fishing for, uh, for like Marlin and stuff. Whoa, wow. on the back of this rowboat. <laughs> so was this, was this golf or Pacific side? This is uh Pacific side. Okay. So it's outside of, if you ever saw the Shawshank redemption Yep. at the very end, they escaped to Zihuatanejo. Yep. And so that's where we were. We were about a half an hour outside of Zihuatanejo. Okay. Um, so did you see red? Red's dead. <laughs> red's dead. <laughs> so, Fast forward from Mexico to uh, Phillipsburg, mm-hmm. Montana. Um, you're an artist mm-hmm. and you're a fly fishing guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and you work for the ranch at Rock Creek. Mm-hmm. And that's 
pretty good gig, huh? It is. It is in the sense that, um, I don't know, you get a lot of, I mean, the best part about it is that it's on Rock Creek, which is um, my favorite piece of water. Definitely like my favorite free zone. And um, just it's blue ribbon and it has um, insane fish populations. Yeah, isn't it like the most fish per mile in Montana? I couldn't tell you that for sure. Like when you're measuring miles, it's like, so you have like the San Juan where it's so wide and braided up, you know, up near uh, the dam that you have like a ridiculous, ridiculous number of fish per mile. Mm -hmm. But that's, I feel like it's just, it's measuring a whole lot of water even though it's still just a mile. Yeah. Well, if I'm wrong, somebody will chime in and tell me. Yeah, Yeah, they'll let us know. Yeah, Yeah, I forget if it's 1,600 fish. It's a lot. Per mile that we have here. Um, It's all self-populating. And there's cutthroat and there's rainbows and there's cutbows and there's brook trout and there's bull trout and there's whitefish and there's brown trout. Yeah, I I mean, it's it's hard to get the... The Rock Creek Grand Slam. I mean, you got a lot of species to cover. I did this. Uh, this summer was the first time um, some of my clients got the Rock Creek Grand Slam. It was it was two people. So I don't know, you know, if that counts. But I we it, one boat caught all the species right. on one trip this summer, which was pretty. Ra- it's never happened in my years of being here. That's awesome. So, um, and it's funny. It's like the heart, the one that, uh, I've heard of people like not catching the whitefish, like at the end after like getting everything else. And it's like, Oh my God. How do you God, not get the whitefish? Just stay out there another 10 minutes. Right. Just find the whitefish. <laughs> I find the whitefish more often. <laughs> yeah. I, I, try I, to find I enjoy fish. catching the whitefish though. Yeah. I mean, it's a native species. You can't. Right. Well, then they just stick Bad their respect. heads down. Props. And, <laughs> I mean, they got that little tiny mouth and to get your fly in that little tiny mouth. I mean, that's, that's way harder than it is. a big giant brown trout mouth. On the big hole, they have um, <clears throat> the whitefish come up for dry flies. And during salmon fly season, they'll come up and try to eat your salmon fly. No way. And it's, um, is it just it's something choke, to see. Trying to. It, it doesn't. It, yeah. No, there's no way it can get in its mouth. So it's just, I, I don't understand what they're even trying to do honestly <laughs> just hungry they want to want to nibble of that salmon fly so what's uh what's the craziest thing you've seen um on rock creek it doesn't have to be like a guiding story but like what's the one thing that sticks out in your mind like well i'd never seen that before or oh. never see that in the cities or Right. Other than what Matt did earlier today, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> um, I just, I mean, seeing the salmon fly hatch in full swing is, um, you know, you see it in magazines and stuff like that, but until you actually see it, it's apocalyptic. Like, yeah, I don't know. Have you ever bugs. been here for that? I have been in Yellowstone. Okay when the salmon flies were like peaking and above your head, like 10 feet above your head, there was literally millions of salmon flies and it was very eerie. 
so how many bugs there were. I mean, when you see them, they're practically, they look like hummingbirds, mm-hmm. like the size of a hummingbird. Oh shit. So if you have a million of them flying, hovering like 10 feet to 40 feet above you. Yeah. And if you're on a stretch of river that you're rowing down and you're looking, you know, it, it, you have a straightaway. It's like, it looks like the end of the world. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Um, and like National Geographic worthy. Yeah. There's, it's a lot of bugs. I've fished, I've been out here, um, the end of June when salmon flies and golden stones are coming off, but, um, I've never seen it, you know, like I did the one time in the mm-hmm. park. Yeah. And it doesn't happen every year as thickly as it does, you know, other years, but there's been yeah. a couple of times that it's been, holy geez, like this is otherworldly. Yeah. Doesn't look normal. Yeah. It doesn't look right. <laughs> um, so kind of along that line, I I know a little, I know a story and I'll let you tell it if you want. Okay. Um, about bear spray. Do you believe in bear spray? <laughs> John? Uh, okay. What's hilarious is that my, my friend, Josh, who runs the fly shop here in town, Flint Creek Outdoors. Um, the last time we went fishing, I took you to the hole today that we fished. Yeah. Was the, where we fished less than a week ago or maybe a week ago now. And he wanted to bring bear spray for, um, moose because like we saw yeah. a giant freaking a moose giant bull, big bull, moose. full rack. Yeah. Just as we were getting out and, um, so he brings bear spray and, um, we had a great day of fishing and we get back to the cars and then all of a sudden he's like, Oh my God. And I was like, what, what, what? And I guess his, his bear spray erupted in the same fashion that it did mine in the story I will tell now, <laughs> but his was relegated to the inside of his, uh, his dry bag that he had all his stuff in. And, uh, it got, it's not quite so bad. It's not quite, it was, yeah. Contained. It was a contained bear spray incident. So, Mine was less contained. So, so take us, take us back. What? Three years? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. I think it was my second summer here. Yeah. Cause I, I think that summer that I came out, I still saw the, the after effects <laughs> after my car. So, <clears throat> um, we kept a can. I don't know why, why we did this or why this was the case, but. Have you ever seen a bear out here? Yeah. 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 Black bears. Black bears. Cinnamon. Bear. I mean, you know, I've never seen a full black bear. They're always cinnamon, the ones yeah, that I've yeah. seen. And I've just seen a handful, maybe. But not five. like a full-blown grizzly bear. I've never seen a grizzly here, no, no. But um, still, like, you know, there's mountain lions and moose and stuff like that that you can use the bear spray on, well, I guess, but. You need mountain lions. I know, right? <laughs> and yetis. Yeah, we, oh, Yeti. that was weird. Yeti spray. There's a quick little diversion, and then we'll get back to your story. But when we were, uh fishing that one reservoir mm-hmm. um we saw like what looked like human barefoot prints, prints. across that entire mud flat so we're pretty sure that mm. the yeti sasquatch lives out there i want to believe he, uh, i'm a believer yeah so anyways bear spray <laughs> bear spray um so my car was parked at work and 
Um, we were moving and we had these boxes in the back seat. So anyway, we had, um, for some reason we kept a bear spray on the driver's side, um, seat on the headrest. There was like an attachment where like an organizer kind of was an organizer that just fit this bear spray perfectly. And that's where bear spray lived. So in case we went out into the woods, like it's right there. Um, I guess I shifted some of the boxes in the back seat and it knocked the safety off, but it didn't, it didn't engage, uh, discharge the, the discharge. And, uh, so I got in the car and then I, I start, think you can see where this is going. <laughs> I started driving. And as soon as I started accelerating, I guess like the box pushed on the, you know, uh, on the trigger or something. And I started to hear it. And my world started like <laughs> narrowing, like as I was passing out because it was discharging the bear spray, but directly like in the back of my head area where the headrest was oh, and where no. my head was. And so it wasn't spraying on me. So I didn't see any of the spray, but I heard that. And I was like, and I, I could feel myself like, I wasn't passing out, but like, it felt like passing out, dying. Bad things were happening. Bad things were happening. Um, and I was like, oh man, something in the engine. This is how little I know about cars. I was like, there was, there's some like chemical in the engine that like, like <laughs> exploded. And now it's like seeping into the car and it's killing me. And so I stopped the car and I get out and there is stuff coming out of my nose, out of my eyes, out of my mouth, <laughs> like all at the same time. <laughs> and I heard, I don't know. It's like mace is different than bear spray. It's like bear spray is considered cruel and unusual to use on people. Like even like in the army I mean, yeah. the Marines and stuff, like they don't use bear spray. They'll use mace or Not something quite else. Bear spray. Yeah. Um, but it, was quite a feeling. And, um, of course it was in the car. It forever. Melted, it melted the headliner is what I remember. Yeah. Seeing. Yeah. And it like permanently made it this orange cayenne color. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, like I quickly kind of recovered after I washed it all out, but then I was trying to wash out the car. And I remember that night, all of a sudden out of nowhere, my hand started like, burning like it felt like the worst sunburn that i've ever had and i was like what is what's on my hands and then it's like oh yeah pepper spray is or bear spray is all over me i remember seeing pictures of your arms in bowls of ice and milk yeah i had to sit yeah i had to sit all that night like with the two giant bowls of i think it was i don't remember if it was ice water or milk it could have been either and that was like the only relief mm -hmm. from burning hands yeah. Wow. Yeah. Bear spray. That well, is, so do you have bear spray in your, your truck now? No. And I yelled at Josh, like with his bear spray, I was like, I told you don't bring bear spray. Like it's like, it's not worth it. It's yeah. It's not worth it. Find some other way to protect yourself in nature. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like bear spray fails. That's twice now that it's failed in my car. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm sorry. Bear spray. Company, <laughs> big bear spray, big bear spray. Well, bear spray. Uh, <laughs> luckily, the most recent version was, you know, trapped inside of a. It dry was trapped bag. inside of a dry bag, but it was still inside my car. And then uh, <laughs> I must tell them to like just leave the bag there, and we'll drive home. Yeah, but we didn't. Don't want to risk it. Yeah. So another question I ask all our guests: 
Is there a fish, caught or uncaught, that of all the fish you've caught in your entire life stands out? And it's like your one unicorn. Yeah. It's like the unicorn taco. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) (laughs) the random sticker that nobody knows what it means. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it it could have been a fish that you caught. Uh Uh-huh. Or, you know, one that you just missed or something. Is there one that kind of stands out in your mind of all the fish you've ever caught? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, um, I've landed one muskie on the fly that, um, I don't know, all of a sudden I was uh, fly fishing for muskie. Did you get a tattoo of that? I do have a tattoo of that, yeah. But, um, yeah, we... I feel like we went a couple of times for muskie too, like in lakes where we were just, yeah, we, what was that? Calhoun or something? I ended up catching it in Lake Calhoun. Were Um, you you with Alex? No, I was, uh, I was with Jared Hinckley Mm -hmm. of, um, Isthmus fly fishing fame who puts the, uh, the carp fly fishing. Carpicide. Carpicide. Yeah. Carpicide. Carpicide out. Um, he had a drift boat and we were out in uh, Lake Calhoun, I think. I think it was Lake Calhoun or Lake Harriet. I forget which one. I think it's Calhoun. But um, yeah, it, we had been fishing together musky for a couple of weeks. And I think we put some ridiculous amount of hours together of actual fishing, like 30 or 40 hours. And I caught nothing. Um, that sounds about right for musky. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And, um, yeah. And then just out of nowhere and it was a surface take too, which was pretty crazy oh, awesome. to see. Awesome. Um, and yeah, that fish <sighs> to pursue something so long and then to actually have it on and see it take. So, you know, it's a musky, it's not a pike or, right. you know, I mean, that happens a lot where it's like, oh, it's musky. And then it's like, oh, no, it's just a pike. But, um, just a pike. There's, I know, they're right? Pretty, they're pretty fun. Yeah. I love pike yeah. fishing. But I remember just like, I couldn't stop laughing as the whole thing was going on. <laughs> I just, I like, I, I don't know if it was disbelief or euphoria or a combination. You're just broke at that point. I was broken. Yeah. <laughs> broken in the most beautiful way. Perfect. Um, and, you know, it's super scary because, I don't know. It's like, oh, after all this, you, you have to land it. Like, oh, yeah. and luckily, I mean, the fight was relatively short in the grand scheme of things. Cause we were on a boat and he kind of rode towards the fish and we got him in, uh, and netted him. And yeah, that's probably the most memorable. That's, that's your fish, huh? Fish. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I remember my first fish too on the Jersey shore. Yeah. Um, it's little, they call them oyster busters. And I don't know exactly what they are, but it's just a giant head that bites bottoms of, uh, I don't know, their bottom feeders in the ocean. They're called right. oyster busters. Or that's at least what my... Like a goby uncle, or something? I have no idea. Just looks like a big head with a tail. Google oyster busters, people. Yeah. We don't know what it is. It could it be is. a regionalism. But I, there's a picture that is in a... A photo museum of him somewhere in a museum somewhere of me yeah. with, with the oyster buster, <laughs> the legendary John Aquario. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know if it's a you know, like one of those made up memories because you've seen the picture so much, you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I remember that. But I was like four, yeah, so I don't know, but that one sticks in my head. 
Cool. Um, the another one is when we caught that bull trout. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty memorable one. That was that was pretty. It was pretty epic. Yeah, I mean, I hate to use the word epic, but nothing really describes it. It was, I mean, it was a place that it was on Rock Creek and we had fished it earlier in the day. Yep. And I I had hooked into a 14, 16 inch brown trout and I was pulling him in and he was, you know, giving up typical brown trout fight. And all of a sudden my um, rod like about was ripped out of my hand and this 14 inch brown trout all of a sudden felt like it was a 18 pound bowling ball, you know, that I'm trying to pull in and it's, it's pulling away from me. And I just remember my rod doubling over, you know, going from half bent to like fully Full bent. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it let go. And I, I pull this brown trout in and you can see the bite marks on the side. And I remember I showed you, I'm like, John, there's something big. In this hole. And it's funny because it's a hole that I never, I feel like I passed over it a bunch of times. I didn't even know if it was fishy or not. Yeah. Um, and then we fished and we had a really good day. It was like a big streamer day. Yep. Um, probably around this time. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, I think September. it's like mid-September. <clears throat> okay. Mid-September. So. A little early. And um, I forgot, I, was it you who, as we were going back home, you were like, yeah, let's stop there again. Let's see what's there. Yep. And then you were very graciously, you were like, no, you fish. I want you to fish it. And I was like, all right. And, uh, you know, I was just throwing a streamer through and hooked into it. And pretty right off the bat, you kind of know something is a little bit different than normal. Yeah. And uh, at the bull trout that I've hooked into most of the time, they will dive down and kind of like hug the bottom mm-hmm. and you know, it's different than playing a trout. They act differently. Yeah. I remember having the net ready to get this fish and seeing it just kind of angle. It's it would angle its nose down, flat head yeah. down, and you had a six weight, I believe. Yeah, it's probably. That. And you were putting everything you had to try to turn that fish, and it was not moving. No, and uh, we eventually landed it, and it, I think it was a twenty-three or twenty-four inch. It was big. Yeah, we have the picks. Yeah, yep. that was that. That was a pretty epic bull trout because you catch a lot. I don't know. Most of the ones that I'll catch, most of the bull trout that I've ever caught have been caught uh, with clients fishing tiny nymphs. And to my knowledge, uh, once they're past juvenile, they're not supposed to be eating a ton of bugs, subsurface nymphs. Right. And um, most of them that I catch are you know, not foul hooked, like in the mouth, size 18 hairs ear, you know, a and these, are, these are like substantial. These are like, fish? these are in the twenties. Yeah. You know, oh, 18 wow. and above. And it's like, what are you doing eating this? Like you should be eating, you know, a 12 inch white fish. Right? White fish. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's another really cool aspect of, you know, some of the rivers out here, like the Blackfoot, um, and Rock Creek, you know, they still yeah. sustain populations of bull trout. And that's a native species to Montana. Which is a native species and protected mm-hmm. because they were almost, I mean, they need really, really cold water to, to, uh, survive. Rock Creek has that. And Rock Creek has that. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's cold. Rock Creek is cold. <laughs> so what's your, your favorite fish to fish for? I, you know what? And this <laughs> you, is like a pity. This is kind of, I don't want to say a pity vote, but like, I really, I really like nymphing up white fish. Like yeah. I do. And I don't, I, I don't understand what people. They're phenomenal fighters. Oh yeah. I don't understand what people, I, I, I guess cause they're not trouty enough and they have like a sucker mouth or something. But, um, I, maybe it's from my urban angling days. It's kind of a it rough fish. You of your it's, carp. it's kind of a rough fish, but it's not, it's, it's like a very, uh, like apparently they need cleaner and colder water than trout do. Like right. they're, they're the, the bellwether of the, the river system. Like if they're the first to die. That was like when the Yellowstone yeah, was that same summer, years two years yeah. ago when they shut large section of Yellowstone down because of the whitefish kill. Mm-hmm. They knew something bad was happening. Yeah. But, uh, I love catching whitefish too. Last year, the huge whitefish that we'd pull out of the Madison were, it felt like smallmouth. Like nice. they you know, sit down that current, just stick there yeah. and your rod is just, and then you're like, uh, it's, and you say it's just, oh, a, white just fish, a white fish, but they're fun to catch. They're amazing. Yeah, I mean, they'll put a bed in your rod and they eat anything. I mean, oh, that's, yeah. that's the best part about them. Yeah. They'll put lots of things in their mouth. <laughs> I won 20 bucks off Sherlock once cause I got one on a streamer. Did you? Yeah. Did you really? Yep. So I did on the Yellowstone in my, my time in Utah, I fished the, um, I lived right on the middle Provo and I was fishing this section and, uh, I was fishing a streamer and I hooked into what I thought was the biggest brown trout that I've ever hooked into, like the way it was fighting. And I was like, Oh man. And it was a 20 something inch whitefish. Holy Holy shit. And like, I was like, what is he doing eating a streamer? Why is he so big? <laughs> yeah. Why does he feel like a 24 inch brown trout? Like, I don't know. But, uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like for how cool they are, they get such a bad rep. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I like them. John, Johnny loves the white fish. Yeah. You can quote me on that. Uh, um, what I do miss though, is from my Minneapolis days, smallmouth fishing. Yeah. I loved catching smallmouth on the fly. Like they're just such amazing fighters. And I feel like they're the warm water brown trout equivalent. Yeah. Like as far as fighting and how they hit to kill, that's, I agree with that analogy wholeheartedly. Like when you catch like large mouth after fishing for smallmouth, you're like, why isn't he fighting any harder? Right. (laughs) Sorry, large mouth. Or then if you get into walleye fishing, it's you hook into it and then you reel in a wet towel. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's Minnesota's walleye. Mm. Yeah. I remember a time we went, it was early in the morning. We went smallmouth fishing on the Mississippi in Minneapolis and the almost heroin addict was singing us a song in the morning. Oh, I don't remember that. No, no. It was, I thought you were going to tell another story of, Going up to Monticello. Yeah, that was a fun time. But but th- we'll get to that story. But this time we were fishing is some park in Minneapolis. Up and down upstream of the, the Stone Arch Bridge. Okay. Up river. Yeah. And uh I remember you said that there was like a I remember we had to wade through a really deep section uh-huh. to get up to like a a gravel bar or something. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And we were fishing poppers and there was guys singing off in the distance. 
I've had a lot of run-ins with strange people on the Mississippi in Minneapolis from Stone Arch Bridge up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Actually a little down too is pretty sketchy, but like, yeah, I had my bike stolen from there. I remember that. You remember that? Yeah, that was that was like the weekend after because okay. we were looking for it at, in I, you know randomly. Yeah, this is in the bushes. I, it's, this is ringing a bell now. Like I kind of remember like a severely yeah mentally distraught person some singing railroad tracks. Or yes, something across the river. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was adventure. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. That urban, it adds something to it that definitely you don't. I mean, right. maybe you're afraid of mountain lions or grizzly bears or stuff like. You got to be street know. smart. But you got to be street smart <laughs> in Minneapolis. Yeah, you do. Um, you should learn uh, who to talk to and who to ignore when they're singing to you. We oh, went, Monticello. Monticello. Yeah, so Monticello. It was very, very, it was winter, it was very which winter is why you go up there Oh, to fish. But yeah, we went up there and, and that, so Monticello has a, a nuke plant and they discharge their warmed up cooling water into the Mississippi. And I just remember it being the most bizarre time fishing ever because it was winter and I rem- it was a particularly cold day. It was cold. It was probably like 10 degrees or 15 yeah. or like it was. It's- so it's like the top half of your body is 10 degrees and the bottom half of your body that's in the water is 60, 65. I mean, it, it was noticeably warm to stand in the water. Yeah. So if I, the way I remember it, like you have to park, I don't know how far away, but a long ways, a long ways that you have to walk up towards where the water is warmer, but like there's ice down where you park and then slowly it's starting to like, you know, the water is changes and then before you know it there's like hatches happening yeah there was bugs coming, and it was like it was spring but it was 10 degrees out and it it it's it's a little it's pretty surreal it is um yeah but i remember like first cast i had this new rod and it it i think i was throwing a streamer and i hit the tip with the streamer on my forward cast and broke the tip it did. And it was like, it was literally my first or second cast. And I was like, I can't believe that. And I was like, we just walked a mile to get here. I'm not going back to the car. <laughs> yeah. And, and then yeah. you fished the rest of the day so with I, a broken rod. Yeah. So I took off the, that, that fourth um, piece of the rod and just fished without a tip. So like the first three sections and I was like, I can't really cast. So I ended up like nymphing. Yeah. Cause I was and like, you caught a lot of fish and I did really well. Like I caught all of these like smallmouth with a, a broken rod and uh three out nipping. of four sections. Yeah. Put together. Yeah. That was one of the prouder moments where I felt like a freaking man. Yeah. Where I was like, <laughs> I'm going to MacGyver this you did. and make it work. I remember being, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm I not think the only thing I caught that day is I fall hooked a carp and pulled a, scale about the size of a silver dollar mm. on the end of my hook. <laughs> yeah. It's funny up there that there's like, you know, all the fish are going there they because are. it's like, we can live here and, yeah. and and be happy. And so there's musky in there and there's pike and there's smallmouth and there's carp and there's catfish. Yeah. Walleye. Everything. Yeah. Everything lives right there. Does it get some decent crowds of people? I've got to assume that probably 
filter we up didn't there. See we, fishing but that was a day. while ago. I feel like yeah, I've gone I, other times. I know I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Ross Brecky. Yeah, you can oh, all the Ross, you want. Creek of Nature. He, he's a man. Um, and he 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 was one of the gurus of that place. Like I, I know I, I we've think, gone a few times together up there. I think it's more popular now. And I think I think more, the word has gotten now. Yeah, that is, it's a good place to go. That's why I kind of don't feel too bad about talking about it. Yeah. No. Don't worry. The, you're not the blowing up ruined, any spots. That the internet ruined fly fishing. Yeah. Right. Podcast ruined fly fishing. Yeah. Podcast have <laughs> ruined fly fishing. Blown up spots. We all need to uh, start, you know, fuzzying out and blacking out or. Yeah, just stop, stop. Where we're you don't have anymore. to take pictures of every fish that you catch. No, just the memorable ones. Yeah. Or, hey, here's the thing. You can take a picture of every fish that you catch. You don't have to post it. You don't have to post it. True that. Yeah. And especially if it's the one that you decided to drag through the mud and throw in the cattails. Yeah, if it's covered in like <laughs> dirt and grass and stuff. That's... Save yourself the beating because the fly fishing Bureau of Investigators are out there they will find, <laughs> they will find you, you. <laughs> they and they will berate you across their instagram stories you. i love watching those guys it's it's fun to watch i mean it's they uh matt is is quite a great troller i believe on on pictures but you guys take it to a whole different level mm. yeah they're pretty good it's funny to think that stuff like that and like the fly fishing troll meme, <laughs> like game is so specific that, you know, if somebody who doesn't fly fish looked at those, they think they, we they would be in another language. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense to anybody who doesn't fly fish. Yep. So John, if you had to pick one art or fly fishing, shit. Um, I I can't. I don't know. It goes are back they, and forth. Are they one and the same? I think they kind of feed a similar thing for me, and it's like a spiritual, uh, not a calling, but I don't know. I mean, people who are really into fly fishing, they understand that it's more than just catching fish. Catching fish. Um. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, you hear about the hashtag, like fly fishing saves lives and like that type of like, like the therapeutic value that it has offered to people um, who do it and it becomes their obsession and their addiction and mm -hmm. their, you know, their church and, you know, their sacrament and all this other stuff. And it might be cheesy to people outside of fly fishing, but the people who get it, get it. Like, they're like, oh yeah, fly fishing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, having been, um, I'm, a, I'm sober and I don't drink or do drugs anymore. And I've been that way for 14 and a half years. And I awesome. really think that a big part of my deal is that I'm still an addict no matter what, but now it just shows itself through fly fishing. Like, and I, that's your addiction. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's pretty cliche too. Like, oh, I'm addicted to fly fishing. But like, I get up in the morning and I take people fishing and then I'll tie flies that night, 
you know, based on what I've learned from fishing that day. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I'll start making paintings of those flies. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm either fishing myself or taking people fishing or tying flies or making paintings of flies. Or teaching people. Yeah. And teaching people flies. how to to fish or how to tie flies. I'll teach people that too. And like, so my life, you know, professionally as well as recreationally, almost a hundred percent revolves around fly fishing, which leaves little time to think about, you know, stuff that my head would normally be thinking about if it didn't, right. If it, you know, had idle time to think about things. I just, I go pretty dark, (laughs) pretty quickly if I don't take up time with it. So it's a pretty healthy obsession for you. So it is a very healthy obsession. I know. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And when I was a drug counselor, I did, I worked specifically with people that had brain injuries. And so I would tie flies with some of them um, Mm -hmm. and teach them how to tie flies. And it was mostly to like, you know, work on fine motor skills. But I found like when people are tying flies, um, if you have ADD or ADHD, um, it gives you something to, to, to fiddle with. Yep. And then you're able to talk in a therapeutic sense in ways where normally you wouldn't. So it's like, um, I, I, it's, it's extreme. It's like this amazing tool to, uh, facilitate like talk therapy, which, you mm-hmm. know, I just kind of happen upon, um, but there's just also the value of like making something, you know, it's like creating something, but at the same time it has, uh, more than just the value of, you know, subjective beauty. It's, it's, it's something that you can take and use to fool nature into thinking it's something else to catch a fish. And like, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, that's something so strangely specific can have such like universal appeal and like have so many different, so many different, um, good things that come out of it. Yeah. And and not even, you know, fishing related, you know, yeah, not at all. It's helping people that probably didn't fish those flies that they tied. Yes. Yeah. Those people, um, most of them, yeah. Didn't fly fish. Yeah. Um, but they really enjoyed making Maybe they do now. Possibly, yeah. Because of, of your teaching. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, like I've done some Project Healing Waters mm-hmm. stuff, like along those same lines when I was a therapist too. And them too, like most of those uh, guys are too incapacitated to, to get out mm-hmm. and fly fish a lot of the time, not all the time, but some of the time. But still sitting and, and making those flies, like there's such a sense of pride in, in be, being able to create something that is... uh that looks so intricate yeah. and uh, difficult to produce, but you know, you can teach somebody to do it. Yeah. Even Grant can tie flies. Grant, Grant can tie flies every now and then, <laughs> even though I'm left-handed, but I mean, that's, that's a whole different so, issue to deal so with. So art, art and fly fishing for you are one in the same. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I mean, obviously there are two different things, but like they are feeding this, uh, but, but for you, yeah. I mean, you're, it's all melded together at this point. Yeah. I, I won't say 24, seven, maybe like 23 and a, a half, yeah. six and three quarters fly fishing. You sleep on the life. way to and from the river. Yes. Yes. I get somebody to drive me. 
Yeah, we followed you for a while. I think. I think <laughs> Did they, you see me drifting off? A little bit. Uh, Ten miles of road, twenty miles of ditch. We covered all yeah. of it. Yep. Uh, you pay taxes in Montana, and you pay for both sides of the road. <laughs> so I will use them at the same time. Yeah. Um, your favorite fly, if you had to pick oh, one. Snap. We're, we should probably do all three categories, though. We should okay. do nymph, wet. Well, let's just. All right. All right. Yeah, we'll do all three. I, I want to get, I want to dive into this. I want, I want to know. All right. What, what's your, your top number one dry fly? I think I can guess what it is. Ooh. Are you saying this as a, if knowing me that I was a Montana fly fishing guide? Yes. So I am <laughs> going to guess that you're going to say, uh, purple haze. Don't guess, guess. What, <laughs> guess what I would guess that you would guess. Okay. What, what's your, Top, if you had to pick one dry fly to fish, what would it be? If I could only fish one all the time, it would, it, it, dry fly. <laughs> most of the time, it would be a, most of the time. Giant articulated streamer. <laughs> That's my favorite. Chucking meat. <laughs> I chuck meat. <laughs> um, I've gotten, and I can't believe I'm going to say this. But a probably a UV purple chubby Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Like for most of the time. Actually, the yellow one has been like the golden stone ones. And now they make like the you know, the the mini chubs, which are really good too. But 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 also like, Grant. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's me over here. Um so, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Chubby, chubby Chernobyl. Oh, fuck. Purple. Feel, Purple. Weird. Saying that, though, it doesn't seem right. Um, it's all right. We don't judge. Well, I, I I, judge. I'm, I'm judging, judging myself. I'm judging. Um, Is that really a dry fly, though? I mean, it floats. <laughs> I like. So does my bobber. I like throwing um, clink hammer style, like parachute dries. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if that would be my number one. I've been throwing a lot of Griffith snats too. Like, it's just like, <laughs> so as I don't have, oh, let's go to the next one. Let's go to nymphs. All right. What's your favorite nymph? All right. So I like this one and this one and this one. I do. That's all it is. Um, it's foam. It's purple. My favorite nymph. So, is, if you were taking clients out tomorrow morning, what would you tie on yeah. the line? Um, the RS two. Yeah, yeah. Is that if the one I was showing you? Yeah, earlier. To, yeah, yep. That's been RS2. that's yeah. Because I don't know. It's like you look at it. It's so simple and wonderful, and it's it has three, CDC three materials. Yeah, it's so simple. Do you know the original was not tied with CDC? What was the original with? It was the uh, like the aftershaft of the the feather, so the fuzzy stuff down at the bottom of a oh any of, of any, any feather. Of any feather. I'm not I mean, surprised. The guy I can't remember his name, but uh, and somebody will let from me Colorado. Know. Yep. Yeah. Asian guy. Asian guy from Colorado. Um, yeah. He had a specific feather that he liked, but I think it was off a Hungarian partridge okay. feather. But it was the the fluff at the, the, fluff, the base fluff. of the feather. <laughs> Got to fluff it. So I've been fishing them a lot lately because of the time of year, like uh, just small betas. Yeah. And um, I think, I don't know what else. It could be anything like little, I think. 
And um, when they're wet and, you know, you take them out of the water and you look at them, they're very like they for something that doesn't look like it's very intricate and specific. And, it you know, it's not. Mm -hmm. I think when they're wet, they look so nymphy. Um, they look so nymphy. Yeah. Yeah. So dry fly, we are undecided. Yeah, probably undecided. purple. Chubby. Something chubby or something Griffith snatty or something. Yeah. Clink hammery. And then we got RS2. RS2, Your I think name? is going to be my favorite nymph. Yeah. Oh, um, streamer. <sighs> you can say it. I mean, super it, it's probably a rainbow trout super trooper. <laughs> um, yeah, it we worked. were we were it talking worked. about it today. It's just there's the uh, there's a flowiness to them. Like I tie, I have uh, streamers that I tie with dumbbell eyes, and uh, hook rides up, and I bounce them off the bottom and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But they don't move the way that uh, yours does. And there's uh, there's just a beautiful flowiness. Yeah, they kind of like sparkle through the water and shimmer and wave. I think he's shimmering right now listening to you <laughs> talk I mean, about keep the going, keep going. Yeah. But I think it's funny, like I was thinking about it as I was, I put it up when we were moving from spot to spot and I had, I had it on and then I took it off and I was hanging it on my, the front of my car and I was just looking at it as it was hanging and I was like, oh man, that's like a goddamn painting in the works. Well, maybe it should be. I think it might be. It might be my next streamer painting. I'll I'll buy the original from you. Ooh. Can you afford that? Well, if we help them sell I'll, enough of these streamers, I'll, there might yeah. be able to. <laughs> for trade. I'll, tra I'll, tra yeah. I'll trade you flies. <laughs> I'll be tying for like the next six years. But no, I'm, I think I'm cheap. Just because I want people to have my stuff. You're internationally known. <laughs> World famous. The world Dude. famous John Aquadio. Oh, snap. Okay. I just remembered a dry fly. Did you say snap? Yeah, I did say snap. Jeez. He's been hanging out with the young kids lately. <laughs> <laughs> the dry fly that I've recently become obsessed with is a, it is, this guy, I had this guy who came out, um, he was a guest and he's a member of like the river test club or whatever. Like he oh. fishes the river mm -hmm. test in England, in England. Yeah. And, um, he brought out some flies with him and there's this, it's a daddy long legs, which for us is a crane fly. Mm -hmm. And I have been messing with it a little bit, like changing it uh, up a little bit. I have like Wally, big Wally wings on this, this crane fly. I wonder yeah, where it is. Well. It's probably like behind you somewhere, but um, it is, it has knotted up uh pheasant tail for legs. Yeah. And it's the most buggy look. It's like you just it decided to put like the, a bug. the buggiest things together and just tie it on a hook. Yeah. And fish can be eating trichos, like size 22 trichos. And you throw this and it's big. Like it's a crane fly size fly. So mm -hmm. it's big. Fish will go after it just because it is a, it is a real, it's the most realistic, uh, you know, fly that you would fish you know I, there's people that tie those like realistic flies that are just like purely sculpture you know mm -hmm. this is like a fishing fly that it, it just looks like a real bug awesome so that's a shout out to my friend ian needs because he's been obsessed with the crane flies 
Crane flies are fun. If you get into that hatch, it's mm-hmm. the um, beaver head has like a really ridiculous hatch. They, crane flies, yeah. And there's not a whole lot of crane fly fly patterns out there. No, no, and there should be. Yeah, definitely. Just, I think they get overshadowed by some of the more popular bugs. I never really thought about the crane fly until this year, like at all. Until we've we been talking about Ian and I had been talking about it. Um, because I guess La Fontaine would fish. I don't know if he had crane fly patterns or not, but he was aware of the crane flies on the upper Clark Fork and them getting pushed into the river or the, the, the larva. Mm-hmm. They're terrestrial. Um, and so if there's a lot of rain, yep. you know, it'll leach out into the river and I guess fish love crane fly larva. Yeah, they're like big grubs. Yeah, exactly. Big, big dark green grubs. Yeah. And so, um, but eventually they hatch and whatever, they're just a big piece of meat that skitter along the top. Yeah. So. And and the Midwest gets crane fly hatches too. Mm. I mean, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Starts hand some. Yeah. I want to I, see that. I got some. Um, you? Have you? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we've run, run across a once or twice yeah uh since we've been on last probably last year i think i think we came across a couple yeah but definitely would be fun to come across it a little more often yeah so we have uh fly fishing or art favorite flies uh favorite fish to catch what just enjoying i was talking about white fish already white fish yeah but um I don't really have a favorite fish to catch. I, on, um, I'd like to go to Just fish. I, I mean, it's been, it's funny that I've become a trout guy because I was mm-hmm. not, never were. I was never a trout guy. And I was, a, I mean, when, when I knew you, you I weren't was a, a bad trout guy. Trout guy. Like yeah. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't set the hook right on trout. Like I didn't know how to fish them the way I do now. Like I was much more used to, you know, fishing for pike and smallmouth. Um, and now I'm a trout guy. It's yeah, just, you know, kind of not by default, but like it's just what I do now. Yeah. I do miss the smallmouth though. Yeah. And you're, you're a damn good trout guy. I've be, I've become a, a, a proficient trout guy. It's taken me four years of fishing trout all yeah, the time. But, but you're fishy in general. I mean, I always tell people we could have a, half full five gallon bucket and you're going to catch 20 fish out of it. <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, not 20, like 18, maybe 18. No, 18, 20. You're, you're definitely in like the top three fishiest guys that I know. That is quite a compliment. Thank you. I mean, you can, I've watched you pull fish out of stuff that I thought there's no way there's anything living in there. And John comes up with a, three foot pike or, a, you know, 20 inch smallmouth or, or know, a beaver uh, or a beaver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're right up there with some of the better fishermen that I've ever met in my entire life. Wow. Thank you. It's all for the gram. It's all for the, speaking of the gram, speaking of the gram, John, if uh, people want to find, uh, find your art, find what you're up to, what you've been doing, uh, where can, uh, where can we all stock you from? So the best place to find me or contact me through is through Instagram and I am Zen fly art. So Z E N F L Y A R T all one word. 
Um, and then, and we'll put a link to that in the, yeah. in the description and the, in the Instagram post or whatever yeah. we throw out there. We'll, we'll make, make sure it it's easy, easy for you to, to get there. Or, um, I also have a website, which I don't keep up with very well, but we should fix that. Yeah. Yeah. We know we were talking about that. We didn't talk about that. Um, uh, and that's John which is how you spell Piaquadio. Well, first you spell J O H N for John and then Piaquadio is P I A C Q U A D I O. Piaquadio. We'll put a link. Yeah. We'll put, <laughs> might be we'll, easier. Yeah. Put, a, put a link up there as well. And you have a Facebook. Facebook. You could become friends with me. Just John Piaquadio. And it's, all the same stuff that's on Instagram for the most part. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I accept random friends, <laughs> which is probably not smart. But. <laughs> and, hey, you know, and there you have out. your art for sale. I do. Um, most of the time, uh, the Instagram is probably the best place to see what I've been working on. Um, if there is a particular image you see that you like, I probably have a print of it already. Um, but most of the time I like to do originals. Um, and I was just, uh, talking to Grant that, you know, if you have a fly that is special to you for some reason, like if it's the one you caught your first muskie on or the first 20 inch fish you caught on a dry fly or whatever, I, most of the time, um, that's what I like to paint, um, and it becomes an alternative to, you know, stuffing a fish and putting it up on the wall. Um, and so I will take the actual fly and then that is in a little shadow box underneath the framed uh, finished painting. And it's all one piece. And you, and you did have one a- for Jim Aronson's, didn't you? I have done one for Jim Aaron's. Yeah. 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 That one, that I, I saw that one. That one. Did you? Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. He makes really interesting flies. That yes, are like, he does. Like very outside of the box. Um, but they work and he catches fish on them and he slays on them. And speaking of fishy guys, Jim, mm-hmm. Jim's that guy that all of a sudden he goes out and he, with one of his flies that he ties that you're like, what do you what do, do that? with that? Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh yeah, check out you know, this pile of 16 inch brown trout I just pulled out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're like, what? Where, yeah. where do you find these fish at? Yeah. yeah. Jim's, Jim's definitely one of those guys. He's funny. That's funny. like, we, I forgot how we met. It might've been through Facebook or Instagram or something, but we hang out. That's how everybody meets now. You you go and see him on that. He, uh, he goes to Utah, Utah trout, right. And up to the green river. And so there's, I floated the green river with him and we've, uh, Yeah. We've, we've had good times together in Utah. Jim's a good guy. Yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah. He's a lot of fun to fish with too. And mm-hmm. he's, he's always got fun stories and I know how those guys eat out West too. It's, <laughs> you know, lobster tails and steaks and everything in a canvas tent on the side of the river kind of style. Jim so. Aronson is a high class man. Yes, he is. Yeah. He's, he's a big shot. Yep. Um, yeah. So go to, Send fly art on Instagram and check out John's painting and paintings, drawings, art. Check out his art. Check out the art. You can see some art. You'll see some flies I tie. You'll see some fish I catch. You'll see some fish clients catch. Mm -hmm. Kind of a mix of all that. And send him a direct message and say, hey, I I want to buy buy this. 
Yeah. yeah. And I will sell it to you. And do you have, do you have stickers for sale still? I have a couple of stickers left. I have some Zenfly art stickers where I think it's a $3 dip. Is that? It's a good looking automatic? sticker. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, it says Zenfly art in, um, I, this sounds not right in Jap. It's in Japanese, but in Japanese, uh, calligraphy. Yeah. But there's a special name for the, the alphabet. Kanji, kanji, I think is the name. Of, yeah, you'd know better than me. Yeah. yeah. So it says Zen Fly Art. Because a lot of times people will ask, what does that say? And I have to tell them, don't worry, it doesn't say anything like stupid. Bad. Yeah, it says Zen it's Fly Art. It's fine. It's fine. I also have a couple of baseball t-shirts left. Mm-hmm. But they're all size small, I think. But I have left because they sold out pretty good. And those are based on the Big Lebowski uh, baseball shirt that he wears in the movie. Really? Oh, beautiful. So if you're, it's a big Lebowski reference. If you're a big Lebowski fan and you're of small stature, <laughs> um, or Which, you want to buy one for your wife or kids, mm-hmm. um, contact John. He's, he'll hook you up. Yes. Or if you're looking to, uh, spend some time at an amazing all-inclusive ranch resort and get if, guided by John. Or if you you're just that. in the, the Phillipsburg area, I'm sure John, if, if you had a day off, you'd I'd, I'd hang out with somebody. Yeah. You could go to the rancher rock Creek and, uh, stay at the only, or one of the only, and I think it's the only Forbes five star ranch in the world. That's what and I read. Relay and Chateau. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or you can just stay in Phillipsburg and visit me and I'll visit with you. Yeah. Phillipsburg's a great town. Total, total fun time to hang out in. That's for sure. Yeah. It's not just the odd water. It's the people too. Yep. The odd water is a big part. It is a big part. It is a big part. It's a big part. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a cool, cool town. Yeah. And I'll, as always, um, if you're listening to this, find that like button, subscribe button, rating, you know, go all the way as many stars it'll give you. Tell your friends, family, whatever. Uh, you can find us on Instagram as well at 3BT Media or look us up on the Facebooks. Yeah, and we'll have links to all of John's hardness and fishiness. Yeah. Give him a like, give him a follow, check it out, and buy his art because it is Definitely. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thanks for being a guest, John. Yeah. Thanks, Thank John. you for coming to visit me and fishing with me. Yeah, thanks and for everything. taking us. Yeah, it was fun. We'll come buggy again soon. Oh, yeah. This, you can probably stay in here whenever you need to. All right. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you. Bye.